Gonna talk Knights of Old on Better Buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. What song makes you feel sexy and confident? Oh, this is a good question. Um, Honestly... I, I think it I think it makes me feel sexy. Definitely confident. Um, there's a song off of ACDC's first album called Rock and Roll Singer. Ooh. And it's there. I love this when bands do this. Like usually, especially some of those older bands, they'll have like an origin song where usually it's about the, the lead singer or the band itself about how they like discovered music and kind of like fell into it. And pursued it and eventually became like who they are. And Rock and Roll Singer is sort of the origin song for, oh, I believe, is it, is it Angus Young? Who is the singer? Hold on. High voltage. I think it's, yeah. I, I think it's, I want to say it's, or maybe it's Malcolm. Maybe it's Malcolm, whatever. I can't remember their names. Oh, my dad would kill me. Um, <laughs> let me see here. We won't tell your dad that you can't remember. Thank you. It's Bond Scott. Okay, so it's it's kind of like Bond Scott, or or really just the narrator of the song. They're sort of um, they're just they're singing about how they became like a rock and roll star and how they want to be that and uh, what it's sort of like, like the things that they've had to do to to get there. Um, I think it's. I honestly can't believe I haven't really seen it in a movie because I think it's like. I think it's as good of a song as like Back in Black or like Shoot to Thrill, um, Highway to Hell. Like I think it's got some, I know those are all off the same album, but it's really got like some pretty great like ACDC moments, I would say. And it's it's very driving. And there's also something to it that's like oddly sweet about it because it's just about a guy singing about how he wanted to be a rock and roll singer when he was a kid and basically like pursuing the dream um which is sort of like a basic premise for a song but i think it's executed when it's done in their style it's both anthemic and yet so sort of like relatable um and yeah i I really really like it i turn that song on and i'm like um i don't know i used to listen to it that was my song when I used to um when I used to drive to where I was living in Marquette, there'd be a long highway. I think it was like M thirty five, something like that. It was a you get on this like you turn left off off of the I can't remember what highway you'd been driving on. And you would just be going straight for about fifty minutes, just under an hour. Um and I remember I would usually like turn that song on, like have a have a lucky strike while I will I listened like like start to start to throw the car into like higher gear and i'd be like yeah this is awesome this is uh this is great um and then eventually you reach where you're going so i uh yeah i would definitely recommend that song acdc's rock and roll singer if you want to feel sexy and confident what about you oh for me i'm a little torn on the one hand Mm -hmm. jukebox hero 
very similar. <laughs> it's Foreigner, but it's their yeah. origin song of like, he had that one guitar, pl- bought it at a secondhand store, rocked his way to the top, and now he's standing behind backstage again, thinking back to that time. And it's a very strong song, but it's also very like reflective. But it's tied for me, and I'm trying to figure out. But it's a three-way split right now. I'm trying to figure out which one works best for my tastes, because there's that mm-hmm. Bob Seger's "Night Moves." <laughs> yeah, that is. I did not expect that one. That's really funny. I oh, like that. Oh, oh come on! It's literally about sex. Yeah, and it's very like. Um, I mean, it's got that great hook. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and so much of it and- is that like youthful like energy and just oozing like movement and like physicality and then you get to the end of the song where it's oh you're an old man reminiscing about what could have been what should have been and then number three is danger zone which needs no explanation no that's so good i'm i honestly say i i love all those songs i really do um, I think I think for you, I like Jukebox Hero the most because yeah. I can see you like walking into a a bar or like I could see if you were introducing like your character in a movie mm-hmm. like that is a near perfect song I think for you. Um, I appreciate that. So, we'll we'll yeah, walk in at Jukebox I, Hero. Yeah, I I do I like the idea of uh, Night Moves. That that that's surprising. I I like that. I haven't um. I haven't listened to that full song in like forever, but I, and I know too, like, cause I know, like you said, like jukebox here is by foreigner. I'm surprised. Like I actually like quite a bit um, of their songs. I, I but they're usually like kind of, uh, kind of looked down on a little bit. They're looked down really? as kind of sometimes like, yeah, kind of like a basic sort of band, but hmm. I think it's cause like people, people think their stuff is like a little too simple or kind of like, kind of just, generic which i can kind of see but at I the same time that, but i would argue I the flip know. side is they're very effective in that yeah, yeah that like they do it well they if it is like kind of just regular rock music it's regular rock music done so well and with like this real like emotion where if that's just what regular rock music sounds like or like pop rock or whatever you want to call it i mean that's that's not too bad it could definitely be you know what i think or, it is because as you said, mm-hmm. people think like it's a little too generic, but it boils foreigner in my experience with it is boiled down to the things rock and roll is about. I mean, literally, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They are about rocking hard to music and the women who have wronged you. <laughs> and like, you can totally see like a really cheap bad movie buying some really cheap or free rock music about like my girl left me she left me (laughs) alone but then like you've got foreigner whose whole like one of their most well-known songs is you're as cold as ice we're like taking it out of context it sounds so generic but they put so much like actual emotion into it that it works yeah, they're kind of like very operatic. Like I love the little the little piano and how heavily it's played in Cold as Ice. And then like the kind of like round 
chorus you know what i mean where they're all they're all like coming together at the very end um yeah they're all kind of singing at different parts like it's very um it, it's almost acdc-esque it's a little less sort of like driving stuff from metal and it's more like sort of like glam i guess you call it like kind of a glam rock or like a hair band type thing I love them because because they sound corny and because I think there's something really genuine. Yeah. Now I love Cold as Ice. Well, I remember I used to like that was one of my favorite songs when I worked at um, the grocery store in town, like the fa- this family-owned grocery store. Like I used that was one of my favorite songs because it would be tuned into an oldie station. That was one of my favorite songs to like stock shelves to or whatever because I was like, the song's awesome. The song's great. <laughs> oh, see that and then uh. You give love a bad name. Like, just, just hard, like, good, solid rock. I like, I'm not gonna lie, I like the, I I definitely love the, the oomph on the, like, you give love a bad name, but, like, I'm, that is, that is one that I will probably, I might turn the station on the radio if I, if that one comes on. I think it's, like, for me, it doesn't quite scratch. Oh, it hit, it hits for me because it's such uh, the phrase that gets to me, that like hits it for me is um oh shit what is it it's the something about heaven and hell they have like a line about how the woman was heaven and gave him hell and it's like mm, you are you are capturing the perfect paradigm of general men's confusion and difficulty when it comes to relationships of we have no idea what we're doing but we know we gotta try (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect here here it is it's it's the the opening two lines of the second stanza it's an angel smile is what you sell you promised me heaven then put me through hell there we go that's fantastic chains of love got a hold on me if this is a prison i can't break free (laughs) Damn! Oh, you're loaded. You're loaded gun. Yeah. Oh, there's nowhere to run. No one can save me. Damage. The damage is done. Shot through the heart. And you're to blame. We should probably not sing on a podcast. Yeah. Wow. Copyright material. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. General By John and Roll. <laughs> we love. We love it. We love it. Yeah, that's fun. Look, like we haven't had a musical one in a while. We haven't had like a little musical, a little yeah. musical piece. That's good. When do we do Better Buddies the musical? Is that what we rework this week? Oh my god, there'd be so much material to comb through, and actually, it would be it would you could actually probably do something really good with that, with all the char- like the cast of characters that we have, all the different conversations. <laughs> it could literally be like, it could be like an opera, like with people coming in and out, and like. Um, with some of the themes that are like discussed here, yeah. I think you could, I think I think you'd really do something with it. Well, let's move on to our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Let's do it. Um, I'm gonna go first, just to get my yeah, own way because it. it's dumb and bad, and but honestly, no one will be able to blame me because that's all I've done for the last week is guys yeah. grocery games. Oh, that's Guy Fieri. Isn't that kind of like Guy Fieri? Isn't it like chopped, sort of? Like where you have to... Guy's Grocery Games 
is they have a fake grocery store set up that is functionally a grocery store in all respects, except that it's on a sound lot. And the he brings in four competitors, usually, and they have to run around the store, shop for their ingredients, and then make a dish to be judged. However, they play games. So, like, they'll play an alphabet game where they can only use the first half of the alphabet and one item per letter. Or they'll do, because they normally have, like, grocery carts, they'll do grocery baskets instead, where they can only shop using the grocery baskets. Or if it's team game, they each get half the store to shop in. So they have to coordinate and make sure, like, hey, did you get this? I got this. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Is it good? It must be. I mean, it's it's very much comfort watching, right? Because, like, yeah, it's a competition show. But none of the competitors are ever, like, at each other's throats. They're all very supportive of each other. And, like, hey, how you doing? Doing all right? Hey, and, like, Guy will be walking around because he's the host. And he's, like, checking in on how their dishes are going. And he'll be like, oh, hey, make sure you, cha- make sure you flip that bread over. Or, like, wow. there will be times where he'll, st- like, step in and start storing a dish for them so they can focus on something else. Oh, that's nice. So he's kind of yeah. like, so it's not really, like, an antagonistic relationship. It's yeah. more of just, like... He's kind of just there to... That's kind of cool. Okay. It's very not antagonistic, and they they switch out between, like, getting home cooks in versus getting people from, like, diners, dive-ins, and drives in versus just, like, chefs who have wanted to be on the show versus, like, uh, they'll do... They'll do episodes of, like, the Famous Food Network chefs coming on and playing the games, but anytime they get, like famous chefs on it's hey you get a chance to win twenty thousand dollars for the charity of your choice oh that's actually really nice that's yeah. actually really nice and then of course for like all the like the home cooks and stuff who compete like it's oh you get to at the end of the episode you get to shop the store for twenty thousand dollars find the items in our list and if you find x amount you get if like for each one's worth like two thousand dollars or four thousand dollars for a total of twenty thousand dollars and, like, they'll give... The hints are never, like, super difficult. The difficulty's in, hey, get around the store in, like, a minute. Okay, so it's, like... It's not anything where it's, like, they're trying to put unnecessary pressure, really. Yeah. Um, okay, that's nice. And in, like, recent recent seasons, last, like, couple seasons, they switched to a new location. And now, at the end, they offer, like, hey, you can play the game and win the full amount. Or we've got to check behind the doors... That is anywhere from like eight thousand to twenty thousand. Take the risk or play the game. Which one do you want? And what so happens so- with the like the a few times people have taken the check? It's never been like a small amount. Like they don't they don't cheap out on it. It's like oh you got fourteen thousand dollars or you got seventeen thousand dollars. So is it like if they take the check, then they can't play anymore? Or is it like if they guess wrong, and then they're out for that round? Or like, how does that work? No, it's literally just like, hey, you can play the game and risk not getting all of it if you don't get around the store fast enough. Or take okay. the nice, safe, easy bet of the check, but you don't know exactly how much the check is going to be. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so it really yeah, is like one of the most wholesome uh, competition games you can have. What else? What else would you expect from Mister Fieri? Lots of bad you know? puns. Um, his <laughs> fun fact: good. his son Hunter, who helps on the show, um, is only twenty-five. No way. Yeah, the kid's like the guy's like twenty-five. He's our age, and he like 
is an executive chef at his, some of his dad's restaurants or like has a restaurant of his own. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool that he has, uh, has his boy with him. And it's not like every episode, but often enough. No, but that's like, I don't know. I would love to see, I'm surprised there hasn't been like, uh, with some of those more, movies coming out recently i'm surprised there hasn't been anything of like a guy fury film i would bet maybe um, they'll wait until he's a little bit older yeah um, they'll probably wait till he's older but they'll have plenty of material because he came up through as far as i understand just from like watching the shows and like picking stuff up i haven't read his wikipedia profile or anything he came up through next food network star competition Okay. And ended up doing like diners, dive-ins, and drives, and which is where like he really made his name, and then started guys grocery games while continuing diners, drive-ins, and dives, and now has, um, he's got a new game show too that is, like, functionally like just guy. He he just has his famous friends onto his game show. Forces them to play dumb food-related games, and then money gets donated to charity. That's very nice. But he's, like, big on charity. Um, there was, like, one instance for a California wildfire thing where he was just out there making food. Spending his own dime to make food for the firefighters. Um, he's also done... Apparently his sister is uh, in a homoerotic relationship or something. A homosexual relationship. That's what I want, not homoerotic. Good lord. <laughs> um, and she, like, when the law was passed, I think he ended up like marrying her and then marrying a bunch of other people, just as a Wait, like, hey, I'm gonna help support. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, he was the officiant. That's what I. The words I need. Man, what? What can't he do? Um. <laughs> Uh, apparently anything not cooking related, but that's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Never mind. But, uh, like, I'm sure there's a, like, there's obviously a level of artifice and personality associated with the Guy Fieri personality. But everything I, everything that the Food Network has shown me, I have no reason to doubt that he's just a dude who likes food and likes dumb food combinations and, like, outrageous food combinations. And respects people. Yeah, he's he's very much. Um, he looks like he should be a, like a a caricature. Like he looks like he should be worse. You know what I mean? As like a part. Like he looks yeah. like he should be. The dude's really got annoying. frosted tips. Come on. Yeah, and he still wears like sunglasses. He's got like not like sleeve tattoos quite, but like a lot. And I don't know. He just looks like he looks like. Sounds really bad. He looks like hateable, but then when you hear more about him and when you watch him sort of like walk around and talk, it's like, oh man, obviously I don't know him personally. It could all, it could all theoretically just be an act. I don't, I don't think I'm that cynical though. Like I, it does seem like he's just like a nice guy who, like you're saying, he just likes food and yeah. he likes, he's, he's, a, he's a good entry into the kind of popular American chef. Mount Rushmore, you know? I'm, oh, yeah. I'm okay with that. And one of the, I think one of the fun things with him, like, I haven't seen as much of it, but as I understand it, like, he's done a couple, like, international things where, like, he's gone on trips and basically takes his family on vacation and records their experiences with the restaurants they go to. 
but is also tries to like be pretty respectful of the cultures. That's really nice. That's yeah. really nice. Uh, the only reason I remember that at all is because there was one a couple years ago I was watching Food Network and there were ads for like um I want to say he was going to the Philippines or something or like he was going somewhere not American culture where tattoo like I think Maori Maori, ta- Maori tattoos played a big role or something and he got it lined up to get like an authentic tattoo but going into it, he's like hey I'm I want to make sure I'm respectful about this like and respectful design wise is it like is this okay is it okay that I that I'm doing this actually did he end up getting it yeah he did I think well, I mean, because yeah. I remember the image of him lying on the table and then like tapping the thing into his back <laughs> like are you ready <laughs> uh no that's i mean i don't know that's cool because i i could see too him being he could be the other the other way where he's like too nice and like maybe too enthusiastic and nobody wants to tell him no but it's cool to hear that he's like self-aware then in some capacity you know what i mean yeah and he definitely can be like a lot as a tv personality but i think based on how he like handles it when people lose on his shows he's pretty like respectful of the people who have lost and be like hey you you came out you're a strong chef you're here because you're a strong chef it just this one thing didn't go your way today dang but good yeah, for him guys grocery games some nice just chill television to binge on and sugary feel good and yeah, I regret saying this because I feel like tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and the headline's going to be Guy Fieri, Cannibal? <laughs> RJ, don't spread rumors. Don't spread. Come it's on. not a rumor, it's a fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Oh, it's good TV comfort food. I could, I could completely see that. Yeah. Oh, it's Guy's Game Night. That's his new one. Is that like is that like minute to win it kind of? Um, Does he just play a lot of games, I guess? Yeah, it's literally just like minute to win it kind of get like there's one where there's food trivia and if you get the trivia wrong, your partner has to like hold a bag of groceries and keep stacking groceries onto the bag and if they drop it you you're out. <laughs> or What if, what if it <laughs> Or what if it's like, uh, hi, my name's Guy Fieri, and, you know, for every question you get wrong, I'm going to eat part of your partner. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Guy Man, Fieri. Man, that's good. And we're about to have a bomb time in Flavortown. And I mean <sighs> bomb. Turns out your loved ones are strapped to an explosive. <laughs> I hope you know Whoa. your fucking chilies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell your Gruyere from your Brie? <laughs> You seem like such a nice guy on TV. I am. <laughs> Forever question this you get wrong, and we nice. blow up one of your family members. <laughs> <laughs> this is as nice as I get. <laughs> you don't want to see me angry, so answer the questions right. We're going to spice things up a little bit. And they're descending from the ceiling are uh, loaded water guns. Loaded with what, you might ask? Sulfuric acid. Ooh, that's a spicy outcome. Supervillain Guy Fieri. <laughs> Supervillain, actually, that's kind of great. Like, uh, that's, I have to have been that's done a, a little bit before. Right there. 
like a supervillain chef, but like a supervillain chef like Guy Fieri is actually yeah, that's a great. That is like a Batman. That's like a classic Batman villain right there. Fits right in with the calculator and the condiment king. Are those both Batman villains? Yes. I feel like I'd heard about Condiment King before, but I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, he's got a mustard gun and a ketchup gun, and he sucks. Wow. It's still wow. not as bad as the Carpenter. The Carpenter? Is that just. The Carpenter the guy? is a relatively new villain <laughs> that, uh, she. Batman was going through, like, a series of rogues in, like, a fun house or some shit, and he walks into the room, and she's standing there with, like, a handsaw and a hammer, and she's like. Stop right there, Batman. The carpenter will cut you down to size. And he doesn't move, and he's just looking at her. And she's standing there, and she, like, she loses the confidence. She's like, yeah. <laughs> and he, oh. he arrests her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's, she goes up against him. She's like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Mm. It's Sounds not even bad. a fight. That even count as like a supervillain or is like a villain then? It's a villain. Not a good one. Oh, she tried, RJ. She really tried. Yeah, but anyways, guys, grocery games. What's uh, your recommendation, James? Um. Okay, mine is going to be uh, this book that my brother gave me. It's Ooh. called "The Story of King Arthur and His Knights." So. Uh, it's, I'm not going to lie. I, I thought it was, I thought for a second it was Le Mort du Arthur, which is like the original, like Arthurian collection of Arthurian tales from like for the 14 or the 1500s or something like that. It's not, there was a moment where I was a little disappointed, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, completely love this version. So this is essentially a retelling of what's in Le Mort du Arthur. Um, and what's the title again? It's called The Story of King Arthur and His Knights, and the author is Howard Pyle. So it was written originally, the, the edition I have is a hardcover, um, it is, it's like a red book, um, but uh, the, uh, the story is basically the same as like what you would find in the Arthurian legend, and um, it's a... Uh, it's really fun to read. So it was written by Howard Pyle. I think it was published in 1903 is what it says on the inside. Oh, wow. It was originally published as like a children's book. Um, but it's written, it's written well enough where it's like, like while I was reading it before I had like did some research on it, I was like, wow, this is like written simply, but I really like this. And sometimes like older mythic books are kind of written like that. So yeah, um, it reads really smooth. One of the coolest parts is that it's got all these like illustrations in it, like at every heading of the chapter, it's got these great, these great illustrations, like two knights crashing together on horseback, uh, like princesses, kings, uh, uh, you know, wizards like Merlin and stuff like that. Mm. And basically, like the story of Arthur, um, this this book is is divided kind of into two parts. First, it's like the story of Arthur himself. It's like how he became king. How he gets Excalibur, how he gets um, Guinevere to be like to be his wife, basically, and then it kind of starts to split off into separate tales of all the different knights of the Round Table, or at least a few kind of key ones uh, that take precedence in the story. So, I really love this stuff. It's really simple. Um, I could totally see this, honestly. I could totally see reading this to my kids um, as a bedtime story. Does it get story. into Dwayne and the Green Knight? 
Um, Gawain is mentioned. I haven't gotten to a part with him in it yet. Mm. Actually, no, the play, I just got to a part with him in it. Um, if you want to find places where Gawain is featured, he is featured in um, The Quest of the Holy Grail. Actually, somewhat Ooh. significantly. Um, let me see. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing anywhere... Uh, uh, where Gawain is like, because they got chapter headings and stuff, yeah. and it said, "Oh no, never mind." Okay, yep, it looks like Gawain is definitely like in here at least a little bit. Um, yeah, in multiple places. Nice. Um, yeah, there's literally a whole part three where it's the story of Sir Gawain. Uh, so that might be his Green Knight adventure. That just might be. Um, I've never seen the movie, so I can't say how accurate it I would be. I haven't, but I haven't seen it yet. I've I've heard it's yeah I've heard it's. I've heard it's good. Um, it looks cool. I, li- I like kind of the medieval stuff. I really do. Um, I had to read yeah, the class, so that's why I ask. Oh, did you really? The story yeah. of Gawain? It's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's an interesting character in the sort of canon. Um, what did... Can I ask, like, when you're reading, did you... Did you did anything, like, maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be about Gawain. It could be, but what do you think of, like, how those stories are written? I thought it was really interesting, um, but it was also interesting in how it was structured compared to what you would expect a story like this to be structured. Um, Because the way, like, King Arthur and his knights have been so romanticized to be these paragons of justice and good doing and undertaking quests to rescue princesses and find relics and those sorts of things, you kind of expect it to be like, all right. Let's go on this adventure, and we're going to go on the adventure, and we're going to have an adventure. And Gawain and the Green Knight starts with the Green Knight walks into King Arthur's court and says, Yo, I want to fight Want your best person. Fight me. And Arthur's about to do it, and Lancelot's about to do it. And Gawain's like, Ah, no, 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 guys, 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 come on. Let me take care of this. I'll handle this. You don't have to do this. I'll handle this. Let me prove myself. I will fight him. And Arthur's like, I, yeah, Gwen, you know what? You can do it. You're young. Take this on. This this will be like your... This is your quest now. And the Green Knight's like, Alright, you have to come find me one year from now. If you don't find me in a year, I come back here and kill your king. But uh, you gotta come find me and fight me. And the Green Knight leaves. And Gwen spends most of the year dicking around. <laughs> for like a month left in the year. And he's like, Ah, oh, fuck, I gotta go fight that guy. <laughs> it's almost lord of the rings levels of we're gonna start the story and 17 years later we're gonna continue the rest of the books (laughs) oh that's funny oh my god like he literally literally is dicking around for almost a year then goes off and finds like a king of another kingdom dicks around there for a while and then finds the green knight (laughs) That's what is he doing? Like when you say dicking around, like what do you mean? I mean, they literally just time jump to like, uh, Gwen. It's almost been a year, and you haven't fought him yet. Maybe you should go find him. He's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> oh yeah. no. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I do love that kind of stuff because of how like simply it's told. Um, like it's told usually very straightforward, uh, which I think is really funny. Um find something yeah a lot of it all I, 
let me ask you a question because I want. I'm curious. How much has infidelity played a part in your readings of Arthur and his knights? This is actually really interesting. Um, why do you ask? Because it plays a part in the Gwen and the Green Knight. Yeah, there's like, am I free for any potential spoilers here? Yeah, like it's, after reading, it's the fucking that's... Arthurian legends. Yeah, sorry. If you're late to the party, I apologize. Um, Look, they're a hundred and nineteen years later, some shit on this publication you're... alone. Yeah, you're eight easily eight hundred years late on quite a few of the other stuff, maybe even more. Um. So basically, because it was written, it, it's really interesting because there's supposedly like a dialogue that's going on between basically the like Norman and the Anglo-Saxons, sort of like two parts of this. Um, uh, because of like the Norman conquests, like Norman, like the the which are basically the French, like inserted a lot of. That's where we. That's why a lot of like Arthurian stuff sound like looks French or oddly not. English, um, because it's like insertion from there, and they're kind of like knightly tales. That's where sort of like court culture really came from, and all that. And one of the big inserts from one of the major French authors, because um, there were quote unquote British or Anglo-Saxon authors who wrote these tales, because um, Arthur is primarily a an Anglo-Saxon hero, like an old English British hero, whatever. Yeah. Um, but one of the primary inserts from the French is Lancelot. And oh. Lancelot is like, in the Quest of the Holy Grail, Lancelot is, um, so there's there's Sir Galahad. And yep. in the Quest, I believe it's Galahad. Um, sure. Yeah, he's like basically the best person in the world. Um, they, mm -hmm. they call him at one point, they say he is... Jesus Christ in in likeness, but not in essence, or something like that, which basically means he's as close as you could get to being Jesus without being Jesus. Um, Lancelot is his father, and Galahad is the like basically the bastard of Lancelot, and I believe Guinevere because yep. Lancelot is it has slept with Guinevere and kind of made like a fool out of King Arthur, um, and. There's, I think there's, like, arguments to be made that, like, oh, like, it's kind of a cultural sort of, like, take that, like, where uh, a Norman or a French author basically made a self-insert character who is, like, mm -hmm. who has kind of a French name, and he has sex with the, like, British, with the, with the, with the Anglo you know, the, queen. Yeah, with the wife of, like, the most famous and respected man in, like, Anglo mythology, basically. Um, and, uh, I, I at the same time I think it's re I actually like the inclusion. Um, I think it's really funny. Uh, I love the the image of like there's this one song um, by this like duo Sam and Dave. Um, uh, they're they're the guy they're the people who do Soul Man. Um, okay. And uh, there's one song where yeah, it's called "Said I Wasn't Gonna Tell Nobody." And it's very upbeat and it's very happy. And it's basically the, the the point of the song is like, it's a guy, you get the image, I get the image at least of a guy walking home in the morning and he's like got pep in his step and he's happy. And he's basically singing a song about he's, how he said he wasn't going to tell anybody that he, uh, 
you know, met the love of his life and got lucky, basically. Yeah. But now he's out here, like, taking a walk in the morning, singing this song about how it just happened. So I love the image of Lancelot doing that, like, in the morning, like, walking through the village to this <laughs> oh, kind God. of, like, this, like, not quite funk. It's kind of like, uh, it's just kind of an older 60s song. It's very upbeat. He's just, like, pointing to people and he's, like, dancing. <laughs> and I, I really like that. Nobody, peasant. <laughs> I just think it's great. Um, but yeah, like, why do you ask about uh, infidelity? It sounds like something you were. Uh, I just wanted to with. make sure it tracked with the uh, Gwen and the Green Knight infidelity being a thing there, and it, that as a running theme throughout the Arthurian legends. Yeah, I. Because that's it, the only Gwen and the Green Knight. Yeah. It's very much about temptation, and potential infidelity, and then the. I'm trying to remember it accurately, but I think basically like, Gwen, the queen starts coming on to Gwen. Gwen's like. I want to, but I am a knight and a guest in the Lord's house, in this, this king's house. So, like, I can't make a cuckold of him. And this goes on for, like, two nights where the, when the king is out hunting. Like, each time the king goes out hunting and they get closer and closer and going keeps going, no, no, we can't. And then the king comes back, he's like, nah, you're all good, dude. <laughs> I oh. offered up anything of my house, so, like, y'all good. I appreciate you didn't, though. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> like, he was testing Gwen. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Because well, Gawain is supposed to be Arthur's nephew yep. as well. Which adds a lot there. Um, yeah, no, so I've been reading the story of King Arthur and his knights, which I would highly i would highly recommend um i'd recommend the quest of the holy grail as well i'm pretty sure i've done that before um really really fun book really really fun yeah. um but yeah that's all i got awesome shall we uh do our rework rewrite this week yeah i'm actually I'm actually, I think I kind of, based on the conversation, I have an idea, but do you have any ideas that you want to... Pitch. Okay, so I am not going to lie. Like, we don't have to do it quite like this, but I've had the idea for a while. I got it last year. I wrote, like, a little treatment-type thing down, but I can't find it. I'm very upset. Um, Basically, I thought it would be really funny if Tarantino for his last movie did like a um a knights film um i don't know why i thought that would work like but... a medieval knights film or a like las vegas knights film um a, a medieval knights a medieval knights film like a sword like a sword in the stone like I just got the image basically of like the the trailer or like a, a shot of like it's um you know imagine like sort of uh we get this we get this open wide shot of these green hills and there's one that's kind of almost like a ridge in front of us is the closest. Maybe there's a castle or a church, a church kind of in the distance. Um so maybe looks like it's like late mid to late morning, you know, 9 30, 10 o'clock ish. It's that kind of, kind of like clear, bright light. Um, and it's just quiet on this scene for a few moments. And then we hear like the thundering of hooves and still in holding in the shot, there's a, a, a knight or a, a, at least a guy in, um, 
no, a knight, a knight who looks pretty haggard, uh, riding his horse, and he's got something in his arms. And this guy goes across the screen. He's almost off to the other end of the screen, and then we see another knight um, running towards him. And this other knight is catching up really, really fast. And you know, we do. It's like a little mini chase scene. Cut to the knight uh, who's being pursued. He looks back. He sees that this other knight who's got his like full armor on. We can't see his face. Is totally like it's. He's gaining on him. Tries to go. Tries to go. Tries to go. Blah blah blah. You get where this is going. Yep. Eventually. The, the one knight catches up and he tackles the other guy to the ground. We see that what the first knight is holding, um, he like he rolls the other knight over, he draws his sword, and he basically like puts it to the guy's throat. We see what the other knight is holding as his arm kind of falls is what looks to be like a solid gold, like a gold or a gilded sort of like cross that looks as though it was like ripped off from an altar, like literally torn away somehow or cut okay. off. And... Uh, Basically, um, we uh, we do, you know, we, we're looking down, down the sword at this one knight who's, like, very haggard. He kind of looks like a guy who maybe just even stole the armor or just a knight who's, like, gone rogue. And uh, we do another shot looking up at the, the first knight. Closer shot. The guy tips up its, his helmet. It's, uh, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He says something, or maybe he says nothing. Maybe he's just panting. And then it cuts... And we start with the like cut to black, and it's the tenth and final film by Quentin Tarantino, and Soul Man starts like the opening <laughs> okay. tones of Soul Man starts, um, and then the trailer begins, and that would be like that's my whole little mini micro pitch for a movie, like something like that. Um, what's the what's the main conflict? I I honestly think what it could be is it could literally it could be like a very generic story, but I think you could do it well. I don't want to go back to Samuel L. Jackson, but I really like the idea. Like if it is gonna be a Tarantino movie, which I don't think it has to be, it could just be sort of like that kind of brutal, quick but still fun style. Um it could be about a knight who's basically like um like Sam Jackson's knight who goes and hunts down other knights who have basically broken their vows. And he he is like, he is tasked with sort of like bringing them to justice. And it's either like, maybe he's working for a disgraced king uh, who's been like ostracized by the rest of the country, but he sees himself as still trying to uphold sort of like a, like he's almost like sponsoring like the Batman, I guess. Okay. Or M. Jackson himself or this knight is sort of feels like he's the last of a dying breed and he's going to sort of like carry out this mission to its sort of like full end. I just like I especially like the inclusion of Soul Man, not only because obviously like if it's Samuel Jackson and that's like Sam and Dave are a very popular like like band. They're a very popular kind of like soul group. Um yeah. but also the fact that like the knights stories like they're they're about they're about like they they usually have something to do with divinity and recovering some element of the divine and bringing it back to human nature. So the idea that like this type of knight is going around writing wrongs and he's literally a soul man, I think is kind of like fun um, and sort of a nice, a nice little way to blend some like two things that are so vastly separated from each other by time 
and kind of try and put them together. So okay, that's my pitch. But I want to hear what you think of it because you're usually really good with like massaging these things. I'm a little. I'm trying to figure out because I'll be honest, I haven't seen enough Tarantino to have like a great grasp on Tarantino's mm-hmm. style. But based on what I have seen and understand, it seems to me like it's gotta be. This is not gonna be a happy ending movie, if that makes sense. At best, it's gonna be a neutral ending. And it seems like it's got to be a character piece in some way. Yes, I would want it to, I would want it to like, be. Absolutely. And I keep going back to Pulp Fiction for whatever reason. But I guess maybe get a little Kill Bill in there. Of As much as we'd have, say, this Samuel L. Jackson knight going around, like, going after these other knights, I think we'd need to have the stories of some of these other knights of, like, why did they break their oaths? We know what Samuel L. Jackson is doing. We know he's hunting down these knights because that's his knightly calling is to restore, redeem, avenge, and return to God what is God's. Mm-hmm. But these knights broke their oaths for a reason. What are those reasons? I I love that, actually. Especially because, like, and it doesn't have to be a Tarantino movie, like it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, it can just borrow from it. But if it, is, I even just like the idea of because this is what the Arthurian legends do, right? It's like they start usually with one solid story, and then everyone kind of breaks up. You know what I mean? Like everyone goes and does their own thing. So they're naturally built to be sort of like a a solid story in the beginning, and then like a bunch of little anthologies, sort of so all around. So. Here's what I here's what, what I think? see in my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, go we, for it. We do the intro credits, title screen, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Soul Man's playing, and the next scene is Samuel Jackson's knight drags this dude or like put, throws his head on the table or puts a cross on the table or something. It's around it's a round table. It's not the okay. round table. We don't say it's the round table, but it's a round table and let people infer, oh, it's the round table. Yeah. Um, and from there, it fades from like. And this is the old, this table is old, it's got chips in it, the castle's in a little bit of disrepair, like, he, like you said, he's part of a different breed, different time. Mm-hmm. And is like the last vestiges of these valiant knights. And it fades, we like ripple effect or some shit, I don't know, to the time before when there's a series, like the knights are sitting around, and these are the knights who he's been hunting and we start telling the like we zoom in on one and tell his story. Oh my god, like he's hunting down people from the round table. That's almost that's brilliant. And oh my god. It must all be like round table knights. Like, oh. not, like he's not hunting Lance a lot. But yeah. Somebody who does a lot of like similarities in personality and things that like he should be the Lancelot fill in. But he made the choice and broke his oath. RJ, that's maybe he so breaks his oath good. for love and he pulls a Lancelot. He sleeps with the king's wife, the queen, for love, but it turns out she doesn't actually return those feelings and he ends up just a serial adulterer and kind of bounces from court to court, cuckolding these kings and violating his vows of chastity because he's despondent over it and, and that's why... Samuel Jackson hunts him down. That's so good. Oh my gosh. I love that. 
Um, I love that. We'd have to keep it like somewhat succinct because you don't want to. You don't want too many stories because it becomes difficult. Oh, well, maybe not. But I, mean, I honestly, I and I love the idea. Four. four? Okay, yeah. that's not bad. No, that's not bad at all. And they all kind of weave together a little bit, like or well, no, they could be like they could still be separate, just connected by the round table sort of thing. I I like to the idea that it we it's not made explicit. You know what yeah. I mean? I like the idea that it's kept ambiguous. Like it could just be a round table and he's just like going after guys in random backwater, or it's like, it could be the round table. And he's like, he's like the guy who's basically like part of a dying breed who is helping it die almost, yeah. which is like kind of awesome. Um, so I think like yeah. I think that's what it would be is like these anthology stories. I think there'd be one where um because like divinity, right? The whole night quest is to bring a bit of the divine back to humanity with like the grail or retrieving relics or the crusades to retake the holy land. So maybe one of them one of the knights goes on his quest, right? He goes mm-hmm. on the quest, does everything he's supposed to do that on the quest correctly. He follows the knightly code, and his quest fails. He gets to the place he was going to. He has lost his horse. He's lost half his armor. His sword is dented and bent, and there's nothing there. There is no relic. There is no grail. There is no holy icon. And he gets desperate and this is like the guy from the intro where he just makes for the nearest holy site and steals their cross and begins bringing it back i love that yeah and he could have been like he could have almost been the galahad type like the golden boy or he could have been at least like someone who was very devout and like shown to be so and completely lost his like faith that's a brutal story, but that's really good. And then he eventually ends up captured. And I don't know if Sam Jackson's character would kill them. Maybe. Like, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, uh, I could see it because I could see that being a very... Sort- that's sort of an Arthurian thing. It's like, sometimes they do take, like, prisoners and sometimes it's just like, no, it, like, I'm going to kill you. Um, so I guess it would have to be kind of contextual. I do think, at least for that guy, like, just for the kind of punch of the opening... He's uh he's killed. Yeah, I, I think it depends um, a little bit on the story. Like, I think the adulterer story, he can be taken alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he'd be brought back to whoever he, First like, wrong. whoever got he, yeah, wronged exactly. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, you could even have like a Gawain type because Gawain in um in the quest of the Holy Grail, he's slighted by like a. He's basically labeled by a monk or there are always these like holy men and holy women who appear kind of like in the woods. They're usually like hermits or nuns or something like that. And they're kind of like the people that like the knights go to to be like, I saw this symbol. Like, what does it mean? And the hermit's like, it's a good thing you came here because I know exactly what it means. And here's what it means. (laughs) And one of those guys like basically tells Gawain, like, you're a good knight, but you're too devoted to your king. You're not devoted to God enough. And you're too violent. Like you want... You want the like glory of combat more than you kind of want you know the glory of god and and righteous action um yeah 
and Gawain is basically like fuck you whatever and he and he's actually a little dejected he's like basically told by this guy that like you're never gonna find heaven on earth because of the way you are and I think like something like that would be interesting to see like following a guy like Gawain who maybe he's like this brutish dude but maybe he's just like depressed like he's kind of just like become a town drunk Ooh. and like like Sam's character is sent there like he just shows up to kill him and like put him out of his misery basically um it's like a mercy thing almost and they have like one last talk and conversation and for a moment before he's killed we see a look on his face where it's like he might have just seen god and then he dies yeah what if to play that up a little bit we mm -hmm. never get the we never get the meeting where he's told like you're too devoted to the king and not enough to god it's just no, him, like, no, no. drunk in the town but there will be snippets of conversation or people will say things at him that the sections are reverberated over of like this is what he was told by the by the holy man these are the words coming back to haunt him these are the things he was or they heard Totally. Even calling him something like someone calling him sir. Here you go. So, like as they, they can toss like maybe they toss coins. He's like begging and he's got like a bucket or like even just like the mud at his feet. They're like, there you go, sir. And they like toss coins in there. I think, yeah, like basically we see a day in his life as like the town drunk and sort of just this this guy who's literally bottom of the barrel because um, he's drank everything in the barrel. Like no, he's just question for you. Because I had this idea, but I don't know. I don't know if it's good. Would yeah, as part of that day somebody like mouths off about the king, and he goes to try and fight him, like defend the king's honor? Oh, that would be so good, but he can't do it. Yes. Like he gets like his ass kicked. Yes, that would actually be awesome. Yeah, like, he's, he's <laughs> that's really good. Like he, he slowly stands up and like his armor is rusty or whatever, and he goes to take a swing and just misses, and the dude just clocks him and he falls to the ground. Yeah, like everyone's laughing and stuff like that. Or even even worse, like people are just like, ugh, like I can't watch this. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Um, and that's yeah, why it's Samuel L. Jackson's last, like, they have the conversation mm -hmm. and then Jackson gives him a fair fight. Oh, I love that. Yeah, he actually gets to... Um, yeah, I love the idea of him visiting and he's like something where he's like walking with Gawain and or this Gawain type and the guy the knight is basically like so you know, just do it. Just you, you can't I just do it. And Sam's character is like, man, I'm not gonna No, we're gonna sleep on it tomorrow. The fair fight tomorrow morning. And it's in the morning, like they go out to where they were walking before. And they have a fight. And we almost, like... I would love, like, if we do almost... If they shot it. Or it looked like something, basically, where it was, like... The fight starts... Like, we, you just cut between two extremes. You cut between an incredibly wide shot. Or it's just these two guys fighting in, like, the shadow of a mountain. Or this little hill, basically, in the early morning. And you barely hear them knocking against each other. And then it's... Then it can cut to something that's incredibly close up. And you hear like every breath, you hear them like grunting, yeah. shoving against each other, like the sting of the metal on metal. And it, it keeps kind of like 
going back and forth like that a little bit, or at least some duality between those shots where it's literally like, it's almost like it's the men and then it's something else watching. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, yeah. Now, let me pitch something at you with that because I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. It gets the the intense shot the like close up intense shots make it seem like oh this is the this is the world this is their world this is what they're doing and the white out shots mm-hmm. seem to me of like this is like it's it's everything to them but nothing to anyone else yeah um but would there be a way to choreograph it where it's hard to tell if Jackson's letting him like get shots off oh that's so good rj like, i don't know that he's going easy on him because it's he's got to believe he's in a fight, but also Jackson They're, knows that like this dude is so out of practice, he's not, he's not what he should he's be. Not. There's totally a way to do it. There's like totally a way. I think like it should be done where it's kept ambiguous, where you get little hints, yeah. but you can't tell if like if all of a sudden like Jackson is getting like surprised by this and he actually has to fight then, and then he's like backing off, then he gets surprised, or if like. Wayne is realizing this and he either gets like defeated and Jackson like it's almost like he gets angry that he's this guy's like giving up and he starts fighting harder and that make that makes like Gawain fight harder um or something like that like yeah I think that's a really brilliant idea I think that's but it's gotta stay ambiguous bad. it's gotta stay ambiguous because if it's too obvious then it feels like it just feels too one-sided and I think the the whole the whole core of the scene is like we it's almost like you don't really know what's going on. Like, you have no clue. I think the core of the like, scene is that it's a question, not a statement, right? Exactly, exactly, like, yes. This, is, this story is a long question mm-hmm. with no answer. Yeah. And that might be the most pretentious art shit I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's perfect. I just, I love the idea of after a fight like that, like, obviously, you know, spoiler alert, like, that Gawain is going to get killed, and then we Does just he? see. Oh yeah, I the scene of of him, uh, of him seeing the face of God. Yeah, and it's like we don't quite know. Like, is he like just happy to be dead? Is he just happy? He's like ah, rest. Or does he genuinely, for a moment, see what he's always wanted to see? Like, is it is it actually there for him, or will he always never see it? And he's I'll just happy it. to sleep. Alternate scene on a pitch at you because I I think we'd keep that, but I want to bounce this idea off you just to see what you think of it. Yeah, totally. The ending, alternate ending, they are having the fight. There is one last like close up, close up clash of swords, and it cuts to black. Next story. I don't I don't think it's the right answer, but I want to know see what you think it what you think of it. Hmm. We would, I, okay, I like it. We would have to still do something, I think, where it's like we get one look at, like, Jackson's eyes or his reaction, and then a shot of Gawain's, and that sound, and then it's ending. Because I think it's like, because, like, a big part of the whole story is sort of, like, Gawain's, like, I I think for me, at least, it's like, is he, what is he seeing? Like, what is his actual experience? Like, how does he actually find absolution? Like, will it come? So, I'm going to marry the two. Mm -hmm. We get the scene of Jackson. 
we get the scene of Gwen, and this you know Gwen lingers a little bit longer on his face and his eyes and what he's seeing, um, and it cuts to black, and there is just the sound of a sword being driven through armor into a body. I think we need. I think we need to see him. I think we need to okay. see like some kind of reaction, and that's like really dependent on. Because I, I understand to a degree, like, we don't want to... And that's where even, like, in the performance, like, the actor's look would be so crucial. Because it he can't know. Yeah. Which is, like, the beautiful part of it is even in his moment of death, like, he can't know. We can't be led to think one way or the other. But I do think that look... Like, I do like the idea of... Like a cutting to black, I think that works. I just don't think it works for that, if that makes any Fair sense. Fair enough. Cool. But I love that's a that's RJ, that's just like a great story in general, right there. Like that's got so many great bits. Uh do we wanna just call it there for our anthology night Tarantino's yeah. night? <laughs> Tarantino nights. <laughs> 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 that's good Ter- oh yeah we didn't think of a title we should think of a title like let's let's pretend totino's it's nights. Tar- tarantino nights no, totino's oh totino pizza rolls totino's. just totino's <laughs> totino's, pre- totino's presents tarantino's nights <laughs> oh that's actually that's not too bad um, I, can, I can i'll dig it serious name my, the first thought, like the first thing that came in my head, was Valor. Oh, I don't, I don't know if it fits though. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much I like it. I, I like it. I like the, I like the sound. I think it's just a, li- it's a little too simple, almost, mm. right? Like those night stories usually have, like, they're almost a phrase. Um, um, I like the, idea, I like the idea of Valor being like put in there somewhere, though. Sound of Valor? Mm, like we gotta think about what the what the story sort of like is in its whole. Um, um hmm. well I mean it's the the core concepts it seemed like are it's about redemption, really. It is. It's sort it's sort of about it's about death and rebirth kind of happening at the same time. It's about resurrection, rebirth, redemption. It's, but it's also time moving on. It's the death of all things. It's inevitability. Mm. It's consequences. Hmm. This is hard, James. Why have we yeah, done this this? One, this one is this one is difficult. I can't believe you've done this. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it helps that we've we started a lot with like a lot more set out ideas, and it's a lot easier to do comedy names than serious names. Totally, totally. If this was a comedy. Uh, we could just do Totino's presents Tarantino's nights. Totino's presents Tarantino's nights, <laughs> and every <laughs> and shield would just have a giant pizza roll emblem on it. <laughs> cute cute um hmm well 
Let's. What, what are some Tarantino's other movies? Hateful Eight. Hateful Kill Eight. Bill. Pulp Fiction. Kill Bill. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um. I feel like there's something there with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like so, something in a similar vein of the. Well, I'm thinking too like. Because it's usually those the the stories usually have name of the the hero in there, right? Ooh. Um, the tale of the tale of. Honestly, oh, this is so corny. This might sound really corny. Yeah, I don't think this is dignified enough. What if it's the tale of pain, like P A I N E. P A Y N E. P. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. Oh my God, that's good. The tale of pain. And oh. you've got the dual meaning in tale, where it's tale, as in like T A L E story, but the syn- the the verbal synonym tale T A I L is the end of something. That is RJ. That is brilliant. Um, I don't know how you do it, but you come up with some of the best shit I have ever heard in my life. I'm actually writing that down. <laughs> come um, on, this is a collaboration. It, it. I mean, you you put the icing on the cake, my friend. I'm. I'm only working with I'm, what you've given me. I'm happy to be if, here. If the... I was actually good at this, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, like. <laughs> The Tale of Pain. Oh, that's good. Oh my gosh. This might be my favorite one that, that we've done yet. See, um, I think the reason you have to spell pain the way I did is because it, it's just too on the nose otherwise, right? Like, P-A-I-N-E. Like, it, oh, look, it's pain. <laughs> yeah. But the pain. Just reading it, P-A-Y-N-E, you don't really realize it until you put put it together with everything else. Yeah, it looks regular enough. It sounds, even though it's spelled, like, said exactly the same way, it's almost, it looks softer, feels a little bit softer. It's obviously got P-A-Y, you know, as in, you know, it's kind of retribution. People are paying their debts, finally. Um, You know, things are coming around. So, yeah, that really, really, really works. Um, Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love it. Awesome. We have got we get we should take a year one of these days. Like oh we should do something where it's like at the new year. We write a script. We like, yeah, we work on one of these and we pick which one. I I I'm not a weird pivot for a podcast, but okay. <laughs> No, I mean, like, it doesn't even have to be a thing for the podcast. Like, it, it could just be, like, we could give updates and stuff like that, you know? But, like, yeah. that would be a lot of, that would be a lot of fun. I would. You're going to have to teach me how to, how to write scripts. Oh, you're pretty teachable, dude. I, I would totally. Because, as yeah. I understand it, there's a lot of formatting that goes into that. I'll take care of the formatting. That's yeah, that's totally fine. I can take care of the actual like language and stuff like that. But as long as we get the bare ideas down, we've already got like we've already done it quite a bit, you know. So it'll be pretty simple to sort of like 
go back and forth. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. We've got quite the bank. We've got quite that's pretty bankable freaking we'll stories do, here. We'll do a movie idea a week, and then we'll take like a year and write all our movie ideas out into flush scripts, and then just flood Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. We'll send them like a packet hey, of Hollywood, 2000. Here's our Guy Fieri script. <laughs> Some agent is like, finally. He's like, <laughs> it's hey, like the classic Discovery, agent. Do you want another tax write-off? It's like, oh my god, how do they know? It's Christmas. Fund our Guy Christmas. Fieri script for $2 billion and you'll get that tax write-off because we know you're not actually going to release it. Only $2 billion. What a steal. <laughs> Do you know the, uh, actually, real quick, do you know the Batwoman, or the Batgirl movie they were going to make, right? That Warner yeah, Bros. Shutter? The, yeah, the, really? The directors tried to steal it and, re- like, pirate it and release it online. Oh, oh Like, see, they were in the process of trying to steal it from Warner Brothers so that they could release it online for people to see, and they got caught halfway through and their access was shut out. That's... See, that's another movie I'd watch. A director trying to steal his movie back from the studio. Oh, hell yeah. I would totally. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put a pin in that one for potentially for another week. one. For next week. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, I didn't I didn't know that. I, I what, Who's it being produced by again? Warner Brothers. Oh. That was a Warner oh. Brothers movie. And because of the director... Um, yeah. Dang. Do we? I know it's like so late. Do we want to do like one piece of advice before we go? I suppose we can do that. Uh, how to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to go with this question, just because I've been wanting to get to it for a while. Uh, at what age does cutting things out of magazines to make a presentation go from cute art project to serial killer trait? To make a presentation? Yeah. To like do an art pro to like make a piece of paper or do a like little like poster board kind of thing. Hmm. I don't, I think it's all about the intention. I think you could be doing that stuff at like 40 or 50 years old. As long as it's like, maybe if it's a hobby, like it's not, it's a little odd. Yeah. Like I, I don't mind that um, entirely. Like I think, and obviously like anything kind of artistic, like if it's done well, then it's it's kind of like people aren't really going to have a whole lot of objections, but yeah, I, I I would say I would say probably for most people, probably around the age of like thirty ish yep. is probably when it's a little iffy, um, unless you're making like a vision board or you got something for work or you're like an artist, like a collage artist. But I'd also say I don't know. I'd say if you do it, as long as you're I guess doing it for the right reasons, um, I think it's I think it's fine at almost any age. I, I think it's a I think it's a, a a curve right like a bell curve, where at one end like yeah it's fine you're a toddler go nuts, and as you get close to middle age it gets up to the higher curve of like oh this is getting a little serial killery, but then as you go, get over that top of that hill and you're heading back down it's like oh you're just an old lady who likes her craft projects. Yeah yeah then it's kind of sweet again. Um yeah it's definitely something you can do when you don't have like when society knows you don't have a whole lot of time on your hands they're like yeah go nuts you know yeah. Don't hurt yourself. All right. Let's wrap up the show there. We've been going for a long time. Yeah, apologies for that. That was that was fun though. That was really um, good. Yeah, thank you for having me on once again. Thank you for joining. 
And thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use their song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Facebook page is Better Buddies. We post our meme Mondays and our icebreakers when I remember to do so. On Twitter, at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Oh, there you are. I'm here, my You'll friend. I'm here. Hello. We can we can start the show soon. Yeah. After we do fold. much moaning in our German accents. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, with the German and the moaning. With the German and the moaning. Everyone knows Germans are the best at moaning. We put it in all our music. Haven't you heard Kraftwerk before? Oh, Truly it's a delectable delight of the German art. Yeah, it's like deep, dark forest chocolate, but for the ears and the throat. Oh. For the Germans only. <laughs> for the you, for you Germans see the only. Americans cannot appreciate our German moans. Oh. Yeah. You're too busy. What the fuck is wrong with us? I don't know, dude. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to think there are actual German people out there, but I don't even know if they're real. You know. So and we've been to Germany. <laughs> and we've been to Germany, and we don't even know. <laughs> so.